Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. You know, and then it says that in the cool of the day, you know, like he came walking and they hid. So we see, a, we see a transition. We see a shifting from what was normal to now what is hidden. They were masking up. They were covering themselves. So some of you this morning are wearing physical masks. Some of you aren't wearing masks. But let's say if we, let's see if we could see in the supernatural. And I could put on some glasses and I could see specifically who is wearing a mask and who isn't. I believe that there are some in this room at this moment you're wearing masks. Now you say, well, Pastor Noe, not me. I'm not wearing a mask. But you have worn the mask so long, you become familiar with it. And you don't realize it needs to be removed. And you begin to see yourself in the light of hiding behind a mask rather than seeing yourself as God has really made you. So you're really covering up who you really are. So when we say covering up, what is this? It's it's pretending. It's acting. It's acting like we have everything together, and really we don't. Hebrews 4, 13. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we must give an account. So we have to understand that God has a master plan to redeem and restore the relationship that was broken in the Garden of Eden. That's the heartbeat of what God's purpose and what his plan is for us, is to redeem that, re- that relationship, to restore that relationship that was broken. But God accomplishes, his, accomplishes by sending his son to build the bridge back to him. But we have to understand that God sees us in our true state. So one of two things, either you know what you're hiding today, you know what you're, what you're hiding behind, or you have a real reality of who you really are as a person. You know, we all sin and we're all sinners. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you know, redeeming us and saving us, that we're all deserving of hell. Do you realize that? That's including the church. You realize that? Like, you're like, oh, I thought I was supposed to have it all together. Man, please listen to this message today if you think we're supposed to have it all together. Now, this doesn't give us a license to sin and do whatever we want. Right? Paul says that. He says, just because you receive grace and forgiveness doesn't mean that you can abuse grace and abuse forgiveness and do whatever you want. As a, as a license for lawlessness. Nobody says this should produce even more righteousness in your life. But the moment we put on a mask, the moments we put on a facade, we fake who we are, we're pretending, it's really hard for God to work. And it's really hard for those around us to help us. Because sometimes I take people's word for it, right? If I ask them, hey, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Well, I mean, I'm hoping they're being honest with me, Right? So I don't know that anything's going on. But I've been praying that God would give us supernatural insight, that we would begin to see in the Spirit. You know, and if, if, something's, if something is going on, you say, man, I'm doing good, that God would just deposit something in me, and I would just respond and say, man, really? And you say, no, I'm just playing, man. I got this mask on. I've had it on for a long time, and I'm dealing with something. Because that will cause us to grow and be all that God has called us to be. But we have to be unmasked. Matthew 27, we're going to look at uh, verses 50 through 54 in the NIV. So this right here is talking about when, when Jesus was on the cross, he was crucified, and there, and there was, a, everybody knows that there was the, uh, 
The Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament always represented the, the presence of God. It was, it was called the Holy of Holies. Now, there was a holy place on the outside of the, of the curtain, but there was the Holy of Holies inside this curtain. And inside this curtain was where the presence of God dwelt. Now, the rule was a priest could only go in once a year for a special atonement. And the, the funny part, this guy that went in, they would actually wear bells on their garments and they would tie a rope around their ankle. I said, well, that's kind of weird. Is that like the rule? If they were not pure and holy, they would drop dead. So the guys from the outside holding the rope, I'm sure they were listening. As long as they could hear the bells shaking, they knew that the priest was okay. But if they heard a thud and he hit the ground, well, they just grabbed the rope and they drag him out. The, the presence of God was not something to take lightly, but yet the access was restricted at this time. So here's what happened. Jesus, you know, like I said, he was bridging back what was lost, right? He was redeeming what God really wanted us to do in our lives. So starting in that verse 50, Matthew 27, it says, and when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And then verse 51, this is what I want us to pay attention to. And, and that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Okay, so just look at this. So when Jesus died, when, he, when his resurrection power was released in the earth, it says, the dead in Christ raised from the dead. Power was released into the earth like we have never seen. Those who were dead raised from the dead when the power was released into the earth. The temple which separated the presence of God now was torn from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to top because God was going to receive all glory from this happening. So even in that passage, let's say it was ripped from the bottom to the top, not the top to bottom. Perhaps man could have done it. But only God could tear the veil from the top to the bottom. And he released this supernatural power into the earth. But what he was releasing was his presence to us. He was saying there was no longer going to be a separation. In verse 54, and it says, When the centurion and those who were, with, who were there guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed. This was their response. Surely he was the Son of God. There was a revelation of who he was. But in this story, he was redeeming, he was restoring what was lost in the Garden of Eden. There was no longer a separation uh, between God's, uh, God's uh, presence and mankind. The closeness that was lost in the garden was once again redeemed and restored through Christ's death on the cross. So we see this. God is wanting this relationship. He's not wanting us to hide. When we mess up, he wants us to run towards him and say, Daddy, God, I've messed up. Or, hey, I don't know what to do. And, and you know, we, we so want to hide and cover up. I think it's just who we are sometimes. So God desires us to draw near to him unmasked and unhidden from his presence. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. We're going to look at the New Living Translation. And here's what happens when we come to the knowledge of the Lord. This is just, a, just an awesome passage. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us who have had the veil removed can now see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So we can see and we also reflect His image. So the moment we cover up or we mask up, we now are not no longer reflecting what God had called us to be and we're reflecting something else. We're pretending, we're acting, we're not allowing God to reflect who we really are. But notice, it says the veil is taken away. So the moment we hide, the moment we mask up, we are once again establishing the veil that Christ came to remove because we don't want people to see the real us. Or somehow in our mind, we make up this lie that says, well, if I hide, maybe even God won't see my sin. Maybe God won't even see the ugliness of my heart. But what does the scripture say? It says, even the heart is what? Deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? Who can confide trust in it? So the best configuration for me is to be unmasked, to allow my heart to be continually laid bare between someone who has first and foremost removed that veil, but can also create the image of God in my life, where I now reflect the image of Christ. So when we cover up, when we put on a mask, when we refuse to be real and transparent, we're putting on an image that is not reflective of the Lord. Placing that mask on, it takes us really back to our unredemptive state. Do you realize that? We do that to ourselves, though. We make that choice. We think it's better to hide and to cover up rather than just expose and say, Lord, here I am. You know, that is one of the best things that I love about somebody who is not churched. Don't take this the wrong way if you've been in the church for a long time. When they mess up, they tell you. It's like, man, brother, this is what I did this week. I was like, well, man, that ain't very good, but at least you're being honest. But when it's exposed and it's brought to the light, it says that, you know, there is freedom that happens. When it is hidden and it's masked, it's really, really hard to get free from that, guys. We got to be real. We got to be transparent. So we've gotten so comfortable wearing the mask that we begin to see ourselves as masked rather than it is who God has created us to be. And we can't even see ourselves as God sees us. Um, Man, give you a quick example with my children. They lie and hide all the time to avoid punishment. It happens at a real, real young age. Like now, maybe when they're little, they'll tell on themselves. But I have stuff happen at my house all the time. Like a while back, we had our, you know, the, the curtains in the bedroom get cut. I'll start going down the list. I go to the oldest one first, right? I didn't do it, Dad. Go to the next one. Hopefully somebody's going to confess or tell me, right? Says, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then they blamed it on friends. Well, so-and-so was over here too. And I'm like, Where's the scissors? Well, they're right here, Dad. How do you know where the scissors are? I don't know, Dad. Like, you know, man, avoiding punishment. It has nothing to do with punishment. I just don't want them to do it again. We have to see that. It's not always about punishment. God just wants to fix the issue of us continuing to sin. But we're avoiding it. We're lying. We're hiding. We're avoiding the consequence. But it might not even be a consequence. It might be complete freedom from it. So he removes those scissors from our lives so we can't do it again. But we're so fearful, right? Give you another example. Got a gumball machine in my office. And it's been a blessing. It's been enjoyable for a whole lot of kids. But when my kids are the only ones there, and all of a sudden I see recycled gum on the floor. Hey, who spit their gum out? 
Immediately, man, nobody's telling. Does nobody want gum? No, Dad, we want gum. Well, who did it? They point fingers. They say it wasn't me. You know, if one of them is still chewing the gum, I know I can eliminate them from the equation. But if two of them are no longer chewing gum, and then I look at them and say, you think Daddy chewed that gum and spit it out? Well, no. So which one of y'all did it? Oh. They continually hide. And I know they did it. There's nobody else here. I know Pastor Jim didn't spit the gum out on my floor. He's the only one here that's even close that, that I see get gum every now and then, right? But we see this hiding. We see this line. And I mean, I'm not so mean and so cruel that I'm going to like end their life. Right? I mean, I hope they don't see me. But, you know, it's just we, we see this from the nature of being very young. We're fearful of the consequence. We're fearful of, you know, the correction or whatever it is. But we hide. We hide to avoid the punishment. But I really believe that God does not want to see it as always going to be punishment. He wants to fix the issue. You realize that? He wants you healthy and whole. He doesn't want you broken and damaged. But it's based on our response. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, NIV. It says, For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. In verse 14, listen to this. It says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. But this is what it says for those guys. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, I don't want to fall into that category, right? Of masquerading, of faking, of hiding. Because it says you will get what you deserve. Right? So we have to understand that the devil is the chief masquerader. And, you know, he wants all of us to mask up and pretend like, you know, to be something that we're not by hiding, deceiving, and being non-transparent. This is exactly the nature of, of, of the enemy. Going to trick, he's going to deceive, he's going to lie, he's going to, you know, much less. Ten commandments, thou shalt not lie. I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't know what any, any other way I can put it to make you understand. It's not okay. What if I did something real bad, Pastor Noe? Well, if somebody asks you, be honest. Well, I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, stay masked rather than exposing and healing and being all God that has called you to be. You know, we, we, we hear the word hypocrite. So the word hypocrite actually came from the Greek theater. And this, this word was used to describe someone who would play up to six parts in a play. You know, and this word was not used as a derogatory term, but it was actually a compliment because the person was so good at pretending to be other people. Y'all know where I'm going with this? Say, I don't like it. All right, let's keep looking. So he, they were pretending to put on a mask and they were pretending to be something they're not. So we have to understand that, you know, when we allow the devil into our lives, you know, in, in the ways we live, it cre causes us to mask up, conceal, deceive, and hide. This is what he says to you. He says, you know what? Just look good on the outside. That's all that matters. Put on your makeup. Put on, you get your hair done up. Get your nice clothes on. Look like you have it all together. That's all you got to do. You'll be okay. Let me share this quote from Chris Hodges. He says, one of the most destructive lies that the enemy whispers to the heart is that we must not let others see who we really are. 
This is the number one lie that the enemy will speak into your life. Don't let them see. Don't show them who you really are. Stay hidden. Stay masked. So when we believe this lie, then everything we do focuses on hiding and covering it up so that others can't see the real us. You know how hard of how much work that requires? It's hard pretending. It's hard acting like you have it all together. If anything, it's going to make it worse. If you're already stressed, you're going to be more stressed out. But taking the mask off can be difficult, especially when we've worn it for a long time. So maybe our lives on Facebook or Instagram are just a facade of the real us. Our lives are always filtered and hidden, not allowing others to really see the real us. Now, I think all of us, to some degree, have went down that road or have made that choice or have made that compromise or potentially what even believe that lie that it's okay. Because that's what, cult, that's what culture wants you to do. How many of you take a whole bunch of selfies and you, don't, you post the best one, right? You don't post the worst one where you were blinking or your head was all crooked or your hair was all in your face. Think about it. And then I think sometimes even when you try real hard, you still look a little goofy. And it's like, Pastor, no, I took 20 selfies. That was the best one I could come up with. But can we be real? Can we be transparent? Can we be who we really are? Now, I wouldn't suggest you put out your laundry and you tell how bad of a, of a life you're having on Facebook. But that's what the church is for. To be real, to be transparent, to help each other out. So you have the appearance of everything in your life together, but in reality, your life is actually falling apart. Look at three different words you guys have probably heard a lot lately. You know, epidemic, pandemic, and endemic. That was one I didn't know, but it talks about an endemic is a disease that affects a large number of people within a community or population or a region. A pandemic is an, is an epidemic that, that is spread over multiple countries and continents, and an endemic is something that belongs to a particular people or country. Now, I started thinking about that. I said, either we have a pandemic or we have an endemic because it is locally centralized, but the church globally, and I believe I can make this statement because if, if on, at other countries they're dealing with the same thing we're dealing with in this church, we got the problem everywhere, right? But the church globally has experienced a pandemic in that it is being affected greatly by living uh, by living under, the fa- uh, under a mask versus living unmasked. Most people in the church hide. I know, I mean, I'm not going to give you specifics, but I will tell you about a, a time in my life where I was living in sin or I wasn't doing things right. Shoot, when people ask me, if they didn't ask specifically, man, I'd buck that question. Well, hey, man, how you doing? Well, I'm doing good with finances. Well, I'm doing good in this. Well, you didn't ask in what area. Smart, right? What am I doing? I'm masking up. But I really had the opportunity right there to say, man, I'm doing good here. I'm doing good here. But, man, I'm not doing good right here. But thank God they didn't ask for specifics, right? Because, like, if they got too specific, then I'd be like, oh, well, uh, now I'm really lying rather than just feeling like I'm being honest about the wrong question, Right? I've been guilty of that myself. You're like, you're a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor, but I'm trying to be real and honest because to let you know that nobody doesn't, you know, everybody deals with this, guys. The opportunity to be honest and transparent and real. 
We have to understand that the church only thrives through transparency and honesty. And I hope that those are pillars within this church. Now, there's a few things we do. Some of you guys, I just know, went through this new membership class, but we have a private Facebook page, which means that's for members only. We're very intentional about why we do that. Why? Because we may be sharing something that I'm going through that I just want my church family to know about. Let's say somebody left the church or they were mad about whatever and they left the church and I keep them in that group, right? Well, they hear what's going on, but they know the struggle. You know, we know the struggle's real. We're in this as a family. We're living life together. We're being real. We're being transparent. We're being honest. And I may have a genuine prayer request. Well, from the outside looking in, the church is going to look like a lot of drama. And they can speculate. They can say whatever. Man, you hear all that crazy stuff going on at harvest time? Man, they got all this drama going on. They're going through some stuff. And it's like, Absolutely. But that's why when you leave and you're not a member, I kick you out of that group. It was a hard thing. Like, you know, we're like, can we remove people? It's like either you're members or you're not, right? Either you're part of this family or you're not. Because there's things that I want to discuss right here. And I know it's real hard with this streaming. Hi, everybody, as we're streaming. If you're offended by that, I'm sorry. But uh, (laughs) it's hard to make things intimate and family-based and whatever. How many of you know that you'll go through things as a family that you just don't want to tell everybody about? And, you know, I think when we started this stream, there was one Sunday. I said, I want to talk to just the church. I don't want to talk to the whole world. I got those guys that cut the stream. I said, now we're going to talk real. But that should be the DNA of what this church stands for, what we do, what we do on a regular basis, real and raw. And I would ask each of you, if somebody comes to you and shares something, you please uh, keep utmost confidence. Don't, don't, share, don't go around and say, oh, guess what Pastor Noe told me. Man, I will bust you up. You know, we talk about gossip. We talk about all these things that can destroy a church. Man, when we share things in confidence, if we share those things with people that don't have a need to know, we can destroy relationships more than we can build up. So there's a way to do it. And also, I would encourage you to pray about who you talk to. I'm just going to leave that there. There's some good ones. There's some. Good luck to you if you do, right? But I believe that God is building something in the church that we can do this more often and not with our members, with our church, with our people. And it's a safe, encouraging place. We've got to be careful with that. Okay? So when, we, when, the, when, the mask stop, when the masking stops, the rural relationships can start. So masking keeps us in isolation. I said this once. It's okay to not be okay. You guys hear me on that? It's okay to not be Okay. Some of you need to know that in this house this morning. Because if you think you got to have it all together, you're not going to say anything. Well, I'm going to disappoint Pastor Noe if I tell him what I'm going through. Or my wife's going to be upset if she knows that I'm doing this. Or, you know, my husband's going to be mad if he knows that when he's at work, I'm not doing this. Or like whatever, whatever it is. You're putting that pressure on yourself rather than just being real and honest. And really, I think we put so much stress on ourselves, sometimes it's not even worth it. I was talking to somebody about stress management and stuff like that, and I asked them, I said, well, how much of that stuff are you putting on yourself? And they kind of looked at me and said, well, probably most of it. I said, well, quit doing that. I said, there's one thing if somebody else or work or an uncontrollable variable is causing that stress, but there's so many things that we put on ourselves that God never intended us to carry. Masking up and, and hiding and acting like we have it all, that is putting additional pressure and stress on you that you do not need to walk in. But if you choose to continually wear that mask... You're going to have to bear the burden of the stress, the isolation, 
the bondage, whatever it is, you have to understand that when you wear that mask, you become the mask. Hear that? I'm going to say that one more time. When you wear the mask, you become the mask if you wear it long enough. But God sees the real you and he wants to unmask you this morning. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. 1 John 1, 5 through 10 in the NIV, it says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, let me repeat that one more time. Verse 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, anybody claiming to be without sin? Okay, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that's saying we all are going through stuff. We are all dealing with stuff. We are all fractured people that need help. I got it. Understand? Okay. Verse nine, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So when we have sin, when we're dealing with something, we are to confess that, and then what happens? He forgives. He purifies. He removes all unrighteousness. That don't sound like discipline to me. That doesn't sound like, sound like a bad end of the deal, right? But we got to know the nature of God. So when we stop hiding, it is at that moment that we can start healing. One of the most powerful statements I'm going to say this morning. When we stop hiding, it is at that moment that we can start healing. But Pastor Noah, you don't understand. I might not, but God does. But you don't understand. You, you don't know what I'm going through. Hey, I bet somebody does in this, in this building. And if not, God does. You know, there wasn't an exemption list that says, hey, you need to be honest. You need to be transparent about all these things. But these things right here, ah. Oh, the more horrific sins or the worst one. You know, we, we do, you know, we, we categorize sin. You realize that? As, as a culture, as a society, there are worse sins than others. If I cheat on a test, somebody's like, oh, well, did you pass? Yeah. Well, great. Right? But we sinned. Let's say we committed adultery. Oh, okay. Hold on to Pastor Noe. You have completely went from here to here. These are completely different. But God sees sin as sin. And if any sin is the equivalent of sin to him, they're all unrighteousness. So we got to be careful with that judging sin, because if we really don't judge the sin, we just call a sin sin, then it puts everything in the same playing field where there's really no extremes. Because I've said that, you know, with things that I've struggled with or do, I said, oh, well, I wish I dealt with that instead of that. And really, I would, wouldn't want none of them, right? Think about it. You know, I wish I wasn't lazy, but I wish I was, what, you know, like whatever, like whatever you're, whatever you're dealing with that you've taken personal, I think we just have to be okay with sin. Sin does not knock God off his throne. You realize that? Well, if he finds out, he's going to just knock. No. But we need to be okay responding with the character of Christ. When transparency, when honesty, when all those things are brought to us. So when we stop hiding, it is at that moment that we can start healing. If you guys have ever read Psalms 51, this, this is the story you know, of David's cry to God in reconciliation when he committed adultery, when he killed a husband, when he did all of these horrific things. 
And, you know, we know that David, you know, is still defined as a man after God's own heart. So how is it that he's still a a man after God's own heart when he's done all of these horrific things? I believe the secret was that he was quick to get back to a right relationship with God. He didn't stay there long. Now, it seems like it when I'm real. It's like, so you sold somebody's wife, then you tried to have them killed on the front lines of war, and that didn't, you know, like, or like, hey, come back. Or actually, actually, let me back up. He brought him back home to try to get him to sleep with his wife. So perhaps she would think that he got pregnant, but he says, no, I'm committed to the cause of war. So that didn't work. So then he, he sent him to, back to war, and he told the leaders, he said, shrink back and allow him to be slain in battle. Hey, all of, all of a sudden, our sins are like right here, right? It's like, man, it ain't so bad. I'm looking good today, Pastor Noah. Mo- I'm encouraged now. God sees no difference in sin. Sin is sin. But what we see in David's life is there's that ah moment of saying, man, I've messed up. I've once again put a, I've veiled, I've put a veil in between me and God's presence. I've masked up to where I'm not being honest and open before God. And he quickly repents. When he goes back, you know, immediately he says, have mercy on me. He says, blot out my transgressions. He says, you know, against you and you only have I sinned. And then he said, do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. There's this, re- there's this re- reconciliation between him and God. And I could believe it was good enough for God where it never jeopardized his name as being a man after God's own heart. But he was quick to restore that relationship. So what do we say? Honesty is truly what? The best policy. 1 John 3, 18 through 22, New Living Translation. It says, Dear, dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Verse 20, even if we feel guilty, let's stop there just for a moment. Even if you feel guilty this morning, here's what God says. You know, when we feel guilty, it's, you know, our heart condemns us and it robs us of peace, but it says, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. So it says, then, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, so if he says, if you feel guilty, if you don't feel guilty, it doesn't really matter. We can come to God with bold confidence. Guilty or not guilty, right? You know, man, when I'm not guilty, I'm all bold confidence. When I'm guilty, um, maybe later, Lord, right? But with bold confidence, regardless if I'm guilty or not guilty, feeling guilty or not feeling guilty, but it says we can come in with bold confidence and then it says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and we do the things that please him. Look at this last passage from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 in the New Living Translation. Sorry, I'm giving you so much scripture this morning, but I think it's important to see what the scripture says about the configuration and the situation and how God sees it and what he wants you to get today. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, New Living Translation. And it says, this kind of concludes everything. This gives you a picture of what God did to redeem you towards him. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Verse 21, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with the blood of, uh, with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some, some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So it really concludes with this awesome testimony of what Christ has accomplished. He says, you know, man, if you, know, if you have a guilty conscience, it's okay. Christ's blood has made us clean. Well, if your bodies are the issue, hey, I've, they've been washed with pure water also. It's like this new super car wash that they have in town. You can pay $7 or you can pay like $15. The first time I did the $15 wash, just to see if I could notice a difference. This next time around, I did the $7 wash. Looks just as clean. I don't know what I'm paying for the extra $15. I guess some extra coating, different things like that. But know that when we go through God's restoration process, he never gives us that $7 car wash. We may not know exactly what's happening, and it may look almost the same, but he always does the one-up. He always does the job a little bit better, a little bit fuller. He doesn't shortchange us, guys. But we got to be really willing to unmask. So what does unmasking do in our lives? I'm going to go through these real quick, but I think they're super powerful. If you're taking notes, this would be some little things to jot down. So what does unmasking do in our lives? So we move from unhealthy denial into true surrender. From, you know, we move open and honest, you know, moving from, I don't have a problem to laying it all there, you know, giving up, surrendering. You know, what what do they say? You know, somebody that's addicted to something, what's the first thing you got to do? Acknowledge I have a problem. But that unhealthy denial says, oh, I'm good. I look good. Nobody can tell. Nobody sees all these flaws. Nobody sees all the crazy I'm going through. I must be good. And sometimes that's not the true reality. But it moves us from that unhealthy denial to surrender. How many of you know when we came to Christ, that's what, that's what was required? What? Surrender. Give up. My life is no longer my own. At what point in our Christian walk do we decide to take that back up and say, I'm in control now, God? Let you chew on that one. All right. So number two, we start asking for help. So that allows us to move from weakness to strength. Okay? So we allow God and other people to help us. You know, we understand this, guys. We go to God for forgiveness. And we, we shared that scripture that, you know, it says, you know, confess your sins to God that you might be forgiven. But in James 5, 16 in the NIV, and some of you guys may ask God and you say, I don't have to tell anybody else. God forgives me. But look here. When we, it says, you know, God forgives us, but in, in, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people for healing. You ever thought about that? Well, God can heal me. Well, that's not what the scripture says. It says we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people for healing. Okay, so we move from weakness to strength. We ask other people. We say, hey, brother, help me. That's what I'm going through. How do I deal with this? What do I do with this? Okay. Number three, we set up future generations for success, okay? So as long as our children think we're perfect, did you know that they'll never be able to attain the standard of life that I live? I have to be real and say, Samuel, Cassidy, Grace, your daddies went through some stuff. I wasn't always the man that you see right now. Let me tell you some of the stupidest decisions I've made in my life. 
Why? Because I believe it'll help them not make the same mistakes. I remember growing up and, and the things that my parents told me of, of sin or bad things, the things that they told me, guess what? I stayed way far away from those. You know, I, I, whatever programmed in my mind, that's bad, don't do that, stay away from it, it will kill me. Like whatever, whatever thought process happened when I was young, but that knowledge of understanding and hearing those things changed my course. Now, the vague areas are the things that maybe weren't like overly reiterated. Those are the things that busted me up. And I'm not blaming my parents, but I'm talking about the importance of, man, be real. You know, I believe that in our life, we go through everything that we need to go through that to help the next generation be successful. How many of you know people don't like to talk about the thing they struggle with, but that has to happen for your next generation to overcome it? You realize that? Well, I don't want to talk about that. I deal with that. Don't matter. I mean, perhaps you can help the next generation not have to deal with that. But mask up if you want, self-preservation if you want, but it will affect the next generation. So, you know, the future generation will be successful as long as we don't hide. So we set up that next generation for success when we let them know we've been through stuff. Um, be real and be honest. Um, so that they perhaps can avoid the things that you've dealt with and, you know, avoid the things my parents dealt with. And we get smarter and smarter and we get better and better as the generations go forward. I think when we talk about that generational inheritance, those are the things that I want. You know, we want to talk about supernatural blessing. We want to talk about provision. We want to talk about our kids going further. Well, tell them about the bad stuff that'll bust them up and rob them of all of those things also. And what you went through. So that the enemy cannot use that in the next generation, okay? Number four, we become who God made us to be, and that process invites others to do the same. I really believe that if we see somebody pull that mask down, and it's real. Now, some of that, sometimes that intimidates me, right? When you see somebody so real and raw, you're like, how in the heck did you get like that? Usually happens because they decided to take the mask off and never put it back on. Just because you remove the mask don't mean you can't put another one on. But I believe that if we refuse to put that mask back on and we take our mask off, we unmask, and we're truthful and we're transparent, it'll invite others to do the same also. I think that's going to be something that's contagious. Because I think initially the thing that you think, that's a horrible idea, will be the best decision you ever made. Number five and the last one. We start living in real freedom and living in real relationship with God. Because as long as Adam and Eve hid in the, in the bushes and covered themselves, it was separating them from what God had really wanted for them in their life. So a closer relationship with God. You guys stand up with me. We're going to close. I don't want to just release you without giving you an opportunity to, to respond in some way to this message. And I know that God is drawing on some of your hearts, but just know that He wants to heal and He wants to restore. I can't promise you that there will be no consequences 
but I can promise you it'll be worth it. And sometimes we get grace for what we've done when we don't deserve it. That's been the card that, that I have been dealt in my life. Redemption and forgiveness and acceptance. Not reprimand and rejection and all away from me. But Father God always drew me closer to his presence. And he saw, he saw me as never disqualified, only in the process of becoming all that God had called me to be. So this morning, I'm going to open up the altar. If you want special prayer when you come forward, just lift your hand, and I'll, I'll get somebody to pray with you. But if you say, Pastor Noah, I, I, I got to remove this mask, but I don't know how to do it. I believe all you do is you come to the Father. And he'll ask you first and foremost to remove it. He'll say, take it off. That's never who I've created you to be or how to see yourself. But then he'll take it from you and you say, no, but Lord, that's who I am. And he says, no, it's not, child. I created you with a purpose and a destiny and I see who you really are. And then I think he has the potential to take that mask and crush it and completely destroy it where it can never be put back on. But that's, that's what he has to do. All I have to do is say, Lord, here it is. It's been a part of me. I can't let go of it. It's become who I am. But that's not who he has called you to be. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.